Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The FT. British author Helen Simpson has written five collections of short stories, among them Four Bare Legs in a Bed, Hey Yeah Right Get a Life, and in-flight entertainment. She was the first Sunday Times Young Writer of the Year and has received the Hawthornden Prize and the American Academy of Arts and Letters E.M. Forster Award. Her newest story, Ambition, is read by Christopher Villers. The question is, is it negligence to place a live body in a coffin? I said, peering at him over my reading glasses. My job, as I understood it, was to persuade him that the law can be fun, a good degree course to choose, and to that end I'd chosen an odd little case from a distant back number of the Law Gazette to pique his interest. He was old-fashioned looking, this boy, Sam, thin and fair, with a spotty face and doleful blue eyes. He looked uncomfortable in his shiny six-form suit and wore a sullen, hunted expression. I wasn't too hopeful of success but I'd promised his father, so I ploughed on. This case all started with the hitchhiker walking through a Yugoslavian forest in heavy rain, I said. Yugoslavia, he said, is that like Serbia? Well, that general neck of the woods, yes, I said. Croatia as well now, and um, uh, a few others. But this was back in the 70s, when it was all one big communist state. I went to Belgrade in the summer, he said, brightening up. Interrailing. Right, I said, quellingly. Sam's father had sorted me out earlier in the summer, after that bout in the gym. He'd overridden me, which isn't easy, as anyone will tell you. He'd insisted I go to A&E, instead of the meeting I was set on attending, and in doing so he'd probably save me from something much nastier than a spot of medical balloon magic. Death, even. So when he got on to me about his boy, I could hardly refuse. August is a slack month anyway, with the courts in summer recess. These days, heart surgery isn't the big deal it used to be. It's more like high-class plumbing crossed with conjuring tricks. They blow up tiny balloons into your veins to unblock them. No need to open you up. I was back in the office the same week. All pretty seamless. Anyway, Sam had to decide in the coming school term which subject to take at university. Both his parents were GPs, but he was refusing to follow in their path, so I had been deputed to persuade him that a law degree was a good idea. I was also supposed to offer him some last-minute, half-term work experience to include in the all-important personal statement. But from the evidence before my eyes, I wasn't sure he was up to more than a spot of light photocopying. "'Your dad was telling me you're not sure what subject you want to take at university,' I said." right. But you don't want to follow him to medicine. Blood, he said and shuddered. What's your favourite A-level subject? Don't know, really, he shrugged. History's okay, sometimes. Ah, yes, history. Now that can be a very good route into a legal career. 
The practice it gives you in analysing events, marshalling information and coming to a conclusion based on the facts. I don't know what job I want to do, he said with sudden force. I don't want to decide yet. Right. Freedom, he said, giving me a wild look. Freedom. Ah, yes. Freedom versus security, yes. I might take a gap year, he said. Um, I'd think carefully about that if I were you, I said. We're finding the best universities for law now prefer students not to do that because they go off in the interim, as they put it. This made him drop his eyes and the corners of his mouth. Getting back to our hitchhiker, I said, after a while, out in the rain, he managed to thumb a lift. The driver nodded at him from his cabin to hop into the back of the open truck. Once on board, he wasn't too thrilled to discover a coffin there. But the rain was torrential, and he was miles away from the next town, so he made the best of things and settled down beside it. Okay, so far? Yeah, he said. This boy had no responsibilities. He was still a child. Abby is one now, and Ava is three. It's a privilege to be doing it all over again, and hopefully I'll be able to avoid some of the mistakes I've made the first time round with Hannah and Martha. Being wanted by someone, being desired again, and by an attractive young woman like Lauren, that was the most amazing feeling after those years in the post-divorce wilderness. Less so since the babies, of course, but still. Yes, OK, Lauren is young enough to be my daughter, as Hannah and Martha have pointed out more than once. But that only makes me realise how lucky I am to get a second chance. It also makes me see I have a responsibility to look after my health and ensure I live another good few years if I want to see Abby and Ava through university. No more steak frites for me. He'd been sitting there for a little while, our hitchhiker, I continued, when the lid of the coffin lifted, and a voice asked, Has the rain stopped? This caused him to scream out in terror and leap from the back of the moving truck, breaking his leg in the process. Idiot, said the boy. Why? Because he overreacted, said Sam. Are you ready to order, sir? asked the waiter, appearing with a notepad. Uh, Another couple of minutes, please, I said, turning my attention back to the menu. No oysters, of course, no R in August. Fried whitebait, smoked eel, skate with black butter. Mm. I'd chosen this hundred-year-old fish restaurant partly to give Sam a dose of city tradition, but mainly because I'm trying to be sensible since the stents. I chose skate, on the grounds that it's more substantial than other fish, without the black butter, obviously. He was 17, this boy, and I was 56. What he didn't know was that keeping his options open now would likely lead to extra hard work later on. I wasn't at all sure about his parents' enthusiasm for the law anyway. Every bright kid these days is doing a law degree or a law conversion course, and it's massively oversubscribed as a profession. Be that as it may, this wasn't the message his parents wanted to hear, so I soldiered on. You could do history at university, then take a law conversion course afterwards, I said. That would defer things a bit. That's what they're doing now after degrees in anthropology or history or old Icelandic, the children of my colleagues, a law conversion course, at vast expense to their parents, I might add. 
My own girl, Hannah, has insisted on taking this route, so I should know. Funny the four of us together at her graduation in June. Bev had gone grey since the last time I saw her. She hadn't had it cut, her wild woman hair, and it looked quite eccentric. Lawrence is smooth as glass. Of course, if the law conversion is not an option, you could try entering the law firm at a lower level, I told Sam. As a paralegal. What, like a paramedic, he said, looking alarmed. Not exactly, I said no. I always knew I'd be a lawyer. I couldn't do science and I didn't want to teach, ergo the law. And getting paid to argue for a living sounded all right to me. Bev used to say that in the unlikely event of me being assigned a coat of arms, one of its quarters would have to feature the hind leg of a donkey. At the time I did my articles, female lawyers were still pretty thin on the ground, though by the time we divorced they were absolutely commonplace. Naturally enough, women would often go part-time once they have children, but they're still very well rewarded in this profession and provide a high-quality, second-tier service. Because you can't get in charge of a big case and not give it everything. That's the thing. That's what Bev never was able to understand. The work comes in intense bursts, sometimes for several weeks at a time, and obviously your personal life is going to have to go on hold to a certain extent when that happens. She was too emotional. What's a buck rabbit? asked the boy. It's a Welsh rabbit with a poached egg on top. What's a Welsh rabbit? It's cheese on toast, I said. Don't they teach you anything at school? His face turned red, deeper and deeper as I watched, even his forehead. Only joking, I said, thinking to myself that he wasn't going to get very far without a bit more bounce. We met at the height of punk at some student party in Corpus, where everyone was pogoing beneath the medieval rafters, jump-dancing competitively, ridiculous, and Bev, who was reading history, was laughing at me, and the other students as well, as we danced to I Fought the Law and the Law Won. Whatever happened to punk, eh? I've still got my vinyl 45s in lime green and bubblegum pink. The Sex Pistols. Susie and the Banshees. The Clash. I looked around the room for the waiter so we could order. The shiny cream paint, the wood panelling, and the steel jugs of tartar sauce gave it a collegiate feel, as did the watercolour cartoons of 19th century statesmen up at Cornus level, and the framed signed cricket bats and sports shirts in glass boxes on the walls. We were both part of that brief wave when Oxbridge let the oiks in. My father managed a branch of McFisheries in Southport, and hers was a school caretaker in Lewisham, the old bugger. That was in the late 70s, with the whole country down in the doldrums, and us separately doing our homework by candlelight during the three-day week. There was much doom and gloom at that point about the end of days, and then we surfed into the 80s, and everything went global. Our generation was lucky. The whole world opened up. All sorts of not terribly bright people have done extremely well in the last 30 years. They put in the hours, sure, but even the ones who didn't work hard and had no ambition have done all right, compared with their parents, if they lived down south, that is. And lots of us did up sticks and move down south during that time. Bev used to say, why not employ double the lawyers 
and pay them half. It would still be plenty, and that way they'd get some life outside work too. She just didn't get it. There is no such thing as work-life balance. That's the point. You cannot be both driven and laid back. You either rise to the challenge and embrace your 14-hour day, or you don't. Sure, there's life outside work if you're a lawyer, but that doesn't mean never working through the night or a holiday, I'm sorry. You know the story of the ants and the grasshoppers, Sam? I asked. Yeah, he said, morose. My dad already told me it. Right, I said. So, back to our hitchhiker and his broken leg. The idiot, said Sam. I was beginning to think I should have fallen back on the usual hackneyed example, the one about whether it's ever okay to eat a cabin boy. It's a question of attitude, I wanted to tell him. It's to do with stamina and combative strength, courage even. I mean, for example, the rugby player who reset his dislocated knee on the pitch and carried on. What's your favourite sport, I asked him. Don't like sport. Hmm... That figured. It was fine for our parents. Job security and next to no unemployment. You worked not very hard and you had enough. A job with a proper pension too. Those were the days. But it's been different for us. And this is what I wanted to get over to Sam before we finished the meal. Now there is no halfway house. Not even in the public sector. Bev said, enough's enough. We're lucky, and we've grown up in a country with free schools and health care, so let's move outside London and make the most of it. She suggested I move away from the city, practice in the country, a bit of like probate and convincing. But what she didn't understand was, they're really struggling now, those two-horse outfits. Everyone accepts we'll never return to the stability that was once the hallmark of our profession. Also, I would have found that boring. After a certain point, the more a man earns, the less I think of him, Bev said. <laughs> Ridiculous. Oh, and what point would that be, I asked her. The point of elegant sufficiency, she said. Which was like a private joke we had. It was what her grandmother in Catford used to say when she asked us whether we'd had enough to eat. Have you had sufficient? <laughs> we used to go there for Sunday lunch. Or tea, all those years before we had children. Lauren has nothing of the hippie about her, I'm glad to say. No, Lauren has her head screwed on all right. Bev decided to take the shame of the world economic inequality on her own shoulders, the guilt at global greed. As if it hasn't always been like this. Any normal woman would have been proud of what we'd achieved. It's not like we'd inherited anything. We'd never had a bean from our families. Whereas Lauren has a healthy sense of entitlement. Maybe it's a generational thing. Divorce is no fun. No. I'm surprised how it still rankles this much further down the line. But life goes on. The waiter arrived with a big pale, meaty wing of skate for me, and a small, scorched slice of toasted cheese for the boy. "'Are you sure that's all you want?' I asked. 
You slimming or something? Again he blushed that furious shade of crimson. I don't like fish, he mumbled, glancing at the pile on my plate and recoiling. Ah. Hmm. Yes, that is unfortunate, I said. I should have taken him for a sandwich in the crypt of St. Mary Le Beau and had done with it. Then I could have pointed out the church's dovetail between city high-rises, the way a wren church will cradle an office block in the crook of its arm. I could have shown him the figure of justice on top of the old bailey with a sword in her right hand and the scales of justice in her left. That would have probably have had more effect on him than this lunch seemed to be doing. So, I said, let's return to our hitchhikers. He looked at me, hopelessly. What had happened, of course, was that an earlier hitchhiker, let's call him Hitchhiker One, had got into the back of the truck and decided to climb inside the empty coffin, pulling the lid over himself to keep the rain off. He heard the truck stop for another hitchhiker, our man, who we'll now call Hitchhiker Two. But he didn't come out of the coffin at that point because he could still hear the rain pouring down. Then, after a while, when the rain sounded less heavy... He lifted the lid, and we all know what happened next. Yeah, he broke his leg. So what do you think? I said. Well, Hitchhiker 2 was an idiot, said Sam. And Hitchhiker 1 was a nutter to get in the coffin. Why? He would say, just common sense. If you haven't got the sense to come out of the rain, he should have waited for a covered truck, shouldn't he? If he didn't want to get wet. Well, he didn't, I snapped. Us lot, the lawyers from my sort of background, the ones who watch Crown Court on the television after school, we thought we'd be criminal lawyers. <laughs> now this lot are saying they only want to do human rights cases. Double ha. Ha ha. Of course we got siphoned off into corporate tax or commercial property or litigation or d dispute resolution. Bev said lawyers are like the little birds that fly into the open mouth of the crocodile so as to feed off the scraps of decaying meat between its teeth. Pretty low down the food chain, she used to scoff. Luckily, I'm fairly thick-skinned. Well, you have to be if you're a lawyer. Let's kill all the lawyers, that's Shakespeare. We're probably on a par with politicians in the popularity stakes, which figures. Every other politician these days will be or will have been... A lawyer. Sam, I said, I think we need to take a more granular and nuanced approach. I was starting to lose patience. The way that English law would approach this, I continued, is by looking at whether the tort of negligence has been committed. Do you know what tort is? No. Well, it's a wrongful act in cases where there is no contract leading to civil legal liability. He looked clueless, puzzled and depressed. You know what a contract is? Well, like when you make a deal? Correct, I said, a touch wearily. A contract is a written or spoken agreement enforceable by law, and I think we can both see that our hitchhiker and truck driver hadn't made a contract. Clear so far? He nodded. Here, negligence is a tort because there was nothing agreed in speech or writing. There was no mutual bargain or exchange on the cards. Okay. 
he nodded again without enthusiasm. And the question an English court would ask would probably be, was there sufficient proximity in this case for either the truck driver or Hitchhiker 1 to assume the duty of care to Hitchhiker 2? He stared down at his plate and started to tear little pellets off his bread roll. Do you follow me? I asked. Mm, Sort of, he mumbled. Sort of, I thought. (laughs) Not good enough. All right, I'll try to be clearer, I said. Proximity is the legal word for a relationship that's close enough to give rise to a duty of care. What's a duty of care? What do you think it is? Well, it sounds like something you have to do if you get married. Eh? Or have children. You ought to care for them. It's your duty to care for them. No, I said. That's not it. I sighed. Look, um, I'll give you another example, I went on. If I offer someone a lift in my car, that means... I've got a duty of care towards them. Okay, so far? Sam nodded. It's my duty to make sure the car is roadworthy and my driving is safe. I've got a duty of care to my passenger, yes? Okay. So do you think the truck driver has a duty of care towards any hitchhikers he might pick up? Well, not if he doesn't ask them into his truck. Not if they ask themselves. Ah, so you would argue, would you? that if you asked yourself along for a ride, anything that happens after that is at your own risk. Yeah. Then you would be pleading the doctrine volenti non fit injuria. Eh? He goggled at me, startled, blue eyes flying wide open. To a willing person, no injury is done. Yeah, he said. No. Things reached breaking point when we got to 43. Classic midlife crisis stuff, I suppose. Two children, big mortgage. She was still refusing to take my career seriously. It's not wartime, she said. There's no need to live like this. She called me the absentee landlord. She said I was only stopping off at home to refuel and I turned the house into a garage. I wanted to hang on to her and the children and not be there at the same time, she said. That was me having my cake and eating it, according to her. When I looked back, and it was like having a fifth columnist in the house, constantly criticising and undermining. She didn't exactly have any helpful suggestions as to what I should do about it. Retrain as a teacher? A cab driver? (laughs) I think not. In the heat of the moment, I referred to her little job in arts admin as a luxury, and of course she remembered that. I earn my keep! I pay my way! But it was a luxury by that point. Considering how little she earned, it would be much easier all round if she just accepted that the domestic side of things and the children was all down to her and simply got on with it, stopped all that farcical talk of juggling and sharing, all the bloody moaning. Compared with what I'd started to bring in, the money she earned was pathetic. But she refused to stop working. She said it was like taking the king's shilling. And if she did, she'd forfeit her right to speak out. Lauren's current part-time job in HR brings in significantly more than Bev's ever did, but she doesn't bang on about it all the time. 
She knows whose job is more important. It's the job of the one who earns the most, obviously. I had been scraping pale ribbons of flesh from the skate's ribbed wing all this while. It hadn't seemed terribly fresh, the fish. But I was hungry, and had tucked in. Eventually, though, I could ignore the ammoniac whiff no longer. It smelt of urine. And I should know, with two infants at home still in nappies, I called the waiter over. It's fresh, sir, he said. I saw it come in myself this morning. He took my proffered plate and sniffed the remaining fish. Won't harm you, he added. There was a pause. Do you want to say something about it to the manager? he asked half-heartedly. I glanced at Sam, who was looking decidedly green around the gills at this little conversation, and decided against. No, enough fish, I said. But some more bread rolls, please, and the pudding menu. We were deep into the dog days of summer, after all, and nowhere near the sea. Matters came to a head when I got the offer of partnership from a magic circle firm. Any normal woman would have been thrilled for me but she said if it meant me working more hours, then I shouldn't take it. She said that would be unreasonable. Unreasonable? She was the unreasonable one. Be home two nights a week by eight so we can eat together, she said. If I promised to be back two nights a week by eight, then she'd back me up and carry on. She was the unreasonable one. There was no way that I could promise that if I joined the magic circle. There was just no way. Not two nights. Not one night. "'Have you heard of the magic circle?' I asked Sam, now as he poured over the puddings on the menu. "'Yes,' he said to my surprise, perking up. Oh, "'What do you know about it?' I asked. "'It's the premier organisation in the world.' "'Well, you're on the right track,' I said, sitting back, rather pleased at this development. "'Maybe he wasn't as clueless as he looked after all. "'Did your parents tell you about it? "'Or the school careers people, maybe?' "'No,' he said, looking puzzled. I went to an open day with my friends. An open day? Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. We were going to join when we were 18. I'm not sure it works like that, I said. Light, slowly dawning. What open day was this? Oh, they have regular open days at their headquarters in Euston, he said. Who do? The Magic Circle. Uh, hang on a minute, I said. What happened at this open day? Oh, they did these unbelievable card tricks, he told me earnestly. But even the ones with coins were amazing. I sighed. He started some feat of leisure de main, involving his grubby shirt cuff and a 50p coin. Never mind, I said, never mind. Anyway, I joined the magic circle and my wife jumped ship. I didn't think she'd do it, but she did. The lady vanished. I ignored her objections and accepted the offer, assuming, of course, she'd see sense. Money is enough for some people, I suppose, was what she said. But for anyone with a heart, this way of life is brutal. I assumed she'd eventually come round, that she'd stop all the sobbing and going on in the middle of the night. I simply couldn't afford to pay that sort of carry-on too much attention at the time. Next thing I knew, she'd gone. Taking the children with her. What's the point, she said? You're never there. 
Divorce is the most expensive thing you'll ever do. <laughs> I wanted to tell the boy. Might as well give him some useful advice to take away from the lunch. Sometimes I feel a spurt of anger that Bev didn't chuck in her little job and spend her energies on buy-to-let like other cannier women I could mention. Lauren's mother, for instance. Then I might have been able to ease up a bit more at this stage. As it is, the golf course is nothing but a distant mirage in the desert. She's running some festival now in Norwich with a man with a ponytail. <laughs> Poetry. Yoga. That sort of thing. She was always on about balance, and now she can stand on one leg for five minutes with her eyes shut. Well, good for her. She organises courses in mindfulness, too. Breathe in, breathe out. Amazing what you can charge for these days. Part of why I haven't progressed quite as planned at work was that I did go slightly overboard at one point on the self-medication front, I think it's now called. Luckily, I stopped in time with Lauren's help. Lauren was in our HR department. She saw what was happening and she saved me. She really was my human resource. She showed me love when I was at a very low ebb. And for that, I owe her an enormous debt of gratitude. What spotted dick? asked Sam, looking up from the menu with the suggestion of a smirk. It's a currant and suet pudding which they serve in slices with custard, I said, reprovingly. Not nearly as disgusting as it sounds, actually. But there was no way spotted dick was on the menu for me anymore. Strawberries hold the cream. That would have to do me. I'd been feeling below par at the gym when it happened. I told myself not to be such a wuss and made myself increase the incline of the running machine. Just before I fell off and blacked out, the thought flashed into my mind, oh Christ, are my chargeable hours up to date? And amazingly, as I fell, I remembered that they were. Lauren sees an action-packed future for us. The four of us, off on adventure discovery holidays as soon as the girls are old enough, zip wires across the Amazon rainforest, gorillas in volcanic craters, that sort of thing. The Galapagos Islands have been mentioned. I can't help wondering whether she's anticipating my demise and planning lots of visual evidence for the photo album in advance. Very proactive, Lauren. Somebody's got to be responsible. Somebody's got to take care of that side of things. Diet and exercise. Think of your heart as a lump of chewing gum, said the physio. If you don't stretch it and chew it all the time, it hardens into an inelastic lump. So was it reasonably foreseeable that an injury could arise, I continued, making an effort. What do you think, Sam? Tenacity is the name of the game. He'd better get used to that fact if he was going to be a lawyer. Not really as regards the truck driver, was it? I persisted. The truck driver stayed in the dry, in the front seat. So no, he couldn't reasonably foresee that a hitchhiker would lie in the coffin. Do you agree? Yeah, said Sam. 
Most lawyers these days marry other people in the same sort of job, so both parties know what they're signing up for. Bev hadn't signed up for that. She didn't know the deal. And I suppose that was my mistake, trying to make her live the life she hadn't signed up for. Come on, Sam. Was it reasonably foreseeable that an injury could arise as regards to the actions of Hitchhiker 1? I chivered him. This could be argued with more chance of success. To rise up out of a coffin asking if the rain's gone off, yes, in most people's minds they might feel embarrassed or worried about causing alarm by so doing. Yeah, said the boy unexpectedly. Hitchhiker 1 was wrong, if anyone. He didn't like think. He didn't put himself in the other one's place. Ah, failure of imagination. Not actually a legal offence, I said, though some might argue it ought to be. He was just thinking of himself. Well, that's not a crime. But he was stupid. Still not a crime. I'm very much at the stage now of not scaling back. With Hannah going in for a law conversion course and Martha wanted to take a master's in psychology, I'll be shelling out for them both for a while yet. Not to mention the hefty deposits they'll need when they come to buy. As for Abby and Ava, Lauren, quite rightly, wants our daughters to have the same advantages as their sisters, so it looks like I'll be staying very much in harness for the foreseeable future. Things don't necessarily get easier at work as you progress in seniority. It's recently been made clear that it won't be viable for me to maintain my place on the lockstep unless... Ah, that word. Unless I put in the next few years sorting out the Dubai office. There's also talk of switching our remuneration system from lockstep to merit-based, or eat what you kill, as it's commonly known, which would not be good news for me at this stage. So i better nail down the proposed arrangement pronto. It did make me think twice, I'll admit it, The time I'd gone to our Dubai office to consult our man, Russell Mackay, I got the distinct impression that he'd gone slightly mad. Out there for the school fees. Grew up in a housing scheme himself. But his sons are down for eating. Talk, talk, talk. He wouldn't let me get a word in edgeways. He was too much on his own. With his thoughts. (laughs) Well, that was the impression I got. It's a really enormous airport, Dubai, and it was absolutely heaving with people when I arrived at three in the morning. Then there were miles of gigantic motorways and flyovers. The pillars of the flyover supports were incredibly fancy and decorated. Everything was new. It was all unreal, somehow. I didn't really take to it. But needs must, and I'm no spring chicken. Highly responsive legal solutions in every time zone. We're passionate about that. And Dubai is obviously key to this strategy, sitting on the timeline as it does. It's the place the Middle East has decided it'll do business with the West. Skype helps, apparently. You can be there on screen for the bedtime story. Russell was telling me, so that's something. Lauren wants to stay in Putney. Says she can be near her mother and also keep her job ticking over. They'll come out for holidays, though 
not between May and October, of course, when it's 45, 50 in the shade, and the sea gets too hot for swimming in. I'm boning up on Sharia law at the weekends. Mora Baha and all its crafty ways of getting round direct involvement with usury. Now that really is having your cake and eating it. And of course I won't need to pay tax. So two years there will be the same as four years back home. Maybe. If they keep me at the same level on the lockstep. One part of me wishes she'd come out with the babies to live with me in Dubai. But I don't think anything I say would persuade her. She's extremely determined, Lauren. And she's made her mind up. I'll be able to get some reading done in my spare time, as she pointed out the other day. Some of those mega-novels I'd not had time for till now. War and Peace, Moby Dick. I should be back in plenty of time to plan a blowout 60th birthday party. If my heart behaves itself. So, where are we after all that? I said, polishing off the last of my strawberries. What's your verdict, Sam, eh? Well, guilty, said Sam, scraping the remains of his jam roll from the plate. The word guilty is normally associated with criminal law, I said, but we'll let that pass. I think we've established a clear case of negligence on the part of Hitchhiker One, though, don't you? Oh, dear, definitely. He met my eye and broke into a grin, probably in relief that it was almost over. Thanks for lunch, he added. A pleasure, I said, trying to attract the waiter's attention for the bill. This boy wasn't the only one who was eager to be off. I had a 2.30 meeting at Crutched Friars with a visiting lawyer from the Bulgarian Water Company we were dealing with, and I had to get a move on if I was going to be on time. So then, I said, once we were outside on the pavement shaking his hand, Good luck with everything. Same to you, he said, with another guileless smile. He had jam on his tie, I noticed. As I scanned the horizon for a cab, I watched him walk away from me into the sunny afternoon, and I wondered why his hands were up underneath his chin. The next thing I saw, he was tearing his tie off and stuffing it into his pocket. <laughs> I didn't envy his parents. He wriggled his shoulders, gave a little skip like a goat or a lamb, and then started to run. I don't know where he thought he was going. He was heading in completely the wrong direction from where he'd come from. I was surprised how fast he was, though. He was really flying down Cheapside. I wouldn't have thought he had it in him. Then my blackberry buzzed. And when I looked up again... He must have disappeared off down Bread Street. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. 
A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.